0: Hi, I'm Ali Muldrow, the host of A Public Affair on Tuesdays. You can listen to this show any day of the week, any hour of the day, on the WORT smartphone app or on WORTFM.org. If you love what you hear, click that donate button and support community media. Your donation makes a huge difference.
1: Six foot six above sea level. I grab the mic because I
0: like to take you to another mental level. Good afternoon, Madison. You're listening to WORT 89.9 FM Madison. I'm your host, Ali Muldrow, and this is A Public Affair. Today, we are so fortunate to be on the air with like just one of the dopest people I've known in Madison ever. Dina Nina is a Madison-based stand-up comedian, y'all. Speaker actor she blogs for the Huffington Post she's the founder of Lady Laughs she did the best story ever one night at the moth like just quite casually you know she's like let me just come up here and rock your world how are you doing today thank you so much for joining us we're celebrating <sighs> pride but we're going to do it mm. in a well we're just going to we're going to do it in a special way this is the first time i've been on the air since we lost You know, since Roe v. Wade was overturned, we lost reproductive freedom and bodily autonomy. um, And, you know, that there is there's a little there's a little of that looming in this conversation. Dina, how you doing?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm hanging in there. You know, I'm like, I'm I told you I'm very I'm disappointed that Mm. this is where we're where we're at. And. You know, I am terrified for the people who who need abortion support. I am terrified for the people who are miscarrying. I'm terrified for people who are having medically complex, unsustainable pregnancies. Um, I I feel like mm. I have been in a little bit of a cycle of of uh, how how serious this is and how yeah. big, big a deal this means for for young, young people. Um and folks with uteruses across the country. How are you? How are you doing besides good? Or what's keeping you good these days?
1: You know, I uh, medication. <laughs> Say that.
0: Don't hold back.
1: <laughs> thank the thank the mother of all for antidepressants because otherwise I would have been like I'm just I'm I'm living my most best that I can right now under the patriarchal pressures of the new evangelical Taliban that's coming and rising.
0: <laughs> Oof. Oof. You know, um, don't be nice. Don't hold I'm back. Not. <laughs>
1: I, th- this has been so, like, I'm so proud of a lot of things, you know, I'm, I'm so proud that at the current moment, I can still be who i am and move through the world as the person that i am i'm so um grateful that at the current moment my friends can marry each other uh without anybody coming in and getting it all up in their business at the moment but i'm also nervous this the last week and a half of judgments from from the highest court in our land um (laughs) Is disturbing it's it's sad it's scary and it feels like an attack upon on my body even though I don't have a uterus I don't have a uterus everyone just so you know I am uterus free if I would have, would have been born with a uterus I would have used it very inappropriately and recklessly and <laughs> um <laughs> I would have had a punch card at Planned Parenthood um is what I'm saying <laughs> I mean I only want a uterus so I can get pregnant ahead of abortion that's like that's the only reason I really would want a uterus so I, I I mean this is this is such a ludicrous time and one of the things that I believe is that comedy brings us closer together and it lets me speak my truth in a way that is m- moderately approachable um
0: um <laughs> I just really, How- the image of you with the, you know, the coffee hole punch card at Planned Parenthood is sticking with me. It's going to get me through the the rest yes. of the day. Um, I'm like, I just, I, my 10th was free. <laughs> I, I really appreciate that. And I'm like, and I, I'm like the Moss story you told was all about Dina and Nina. Like you were talking about kind of what it meant for you to transition um, mm. and This beautiful moment where you're on a bus and somebody's like, yo, you got a tampon. And you're like, from now on, always. And so I I joked with you before you got on the air. Before you joined us today on WORT 89.9 FM Madison for a Public Affair with Ali Maldro, before you jumped on, I was like, are you now carrying tampons and Plan B? And then you just started telling me about how much Plan B you have. So can you just let people know that all across the land, abortion clinics are connected to you and they are helping you to help people?
1: all across the land well i mean i've i've done a lot of work for um it w- used to be called lady parts justice now it's called abortion access front and liz winstead co-creator of the daily show um, is my heart i was just on her podcast feminist buzz kills it is not safe for a family but uh, it's a great podcast uh, so if you are you want to know more about uh, abortion rights you want to know more about uh, health care reproductive health care then you can listen to that podcast and you can learn a lot and you'll laugh a lot. So I, that's a plug for my friend.
0: Well, (laughs) let's keep plugging that friend because I'm like, she's been on our show. She's an amazing advocate. And she's gonna join us again on, on August second. So tune in mm, to a public okay. affair with Ali Maldro on Tuesday, August second. We will be talking to Liz Winsid and about about the work she's doing right now. But anyway, I believe that she's part of the connection to you and all this plan B. So yeah. back to your story, yes. Dina Nina. <laughs> uh,
1: so I've I throughout throughout the uh, years I've been given copious amounts of plan B, I currently am out, but I will do whatever I can to get some. And make sure that people are taken care of because abortion is health care. It is health care. And, and all these people who were yelling, uh, my body, my choice, um, when they were upset that the government was trying to mandate vaccines, all of those people are now up in our business about this. And I don't understand it like you care about privacy when it comes to your vaccination but you don't but care about privacy
0: not my vagina <laughs> like
1: right, right. Not... you don't care about privacy and you don't you don't believe that I can make my own decision with my physician then f you pardon my language i Is... did a radio swear
0: and <laughs> so so well done so classy <laughs> and just like nicely delivered thank you for you know I'm like, I appreciate that you change your language for this format, because I think stand-up comedy encourages one to be slightly racier. I feel racier just hanging out with you. Um, I, I wanted to ask, like, you know, we're supposed to be talking about pride. And I think, like, you know, was the Supreme Court just trying to ruin pride by announcing this in June? Like, what, How how do we celebrate pride right now? Or how are you celebrating pride right now? Um, or how were you celebrating pride before this decision? Like, what does, what does pride look like for you at this point in your life? Um, and when did you kind of discover pride as a young person? What did it mean to you at first?
1: Oh gosh. Uh, so let's start with the last part of that question. So I grew up evangelical. I was in my, when I, in my younger days, uh, younger adult days, I was actually really plugged into the, uh, evangelical religious community. And it took me a good decade to even just be okay with who I was as somebody who loved what I thought at the time was the same gender. But so my process and relationship with Pride has been, and, and with the community has been really a long one. And the moment I came out... I I went in and out a couple of times because of Jesus. Um because of who I thought it was Jesus, but it was definitely not. But um and so <laughs> I
0: thought it was Jesus, but it was definitely it was, not. No definitely you didn't. Not. Thank you though. The, Thank you for the, that.
1: The father of lies, the dark the dark lord Satan was the one pretending to be Jesus and that is not the truth you guys. <laughs> So I I went back and forth, and when I finally, finally came out, Pride to me was was a way to let out all that repression. I I think cisgender, heteronormative people don't understand, especially when they grow up in a religious uh, background, they don't understand what happens to our psyches, to our soul, to our being— when we have to acquiesce to patriarchal pressures and um religious pharisaical ideas that are forced down our throats and 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 when you look at the red letters in the bible he didn't say any of this stuff you guys (laughs) like that that guy was kind of cool he was kind of socialist he was kind of like hung out with the queer people and you think i'm lying but we can i will take you through i want to write a book at some point called the uh queer um jesus like uh, like the essential queer jesus like where you know would, in the bible i would read and, that
0: book i feel like a lot right? of us have been waiting for folks to acknowledge so you know. i
1: i mean that's something like i would love to talk about but but there is not a, an ability to have a rational conversation about spirituality that doesn't align with evangelical principles with someone who's evangelical. And if you expect me to value your right to practice your spiritual path, and you expect me to... um honor your right to be religious then you need to expect uh, you need to accept and honor my right to be the religion that I am and have the principles that I embody and that's where I have a problem also spiritual leaders should not talk about politics from a pulpit in a spiritual space Mm. and what we're seeing over the last week and a half is an a further entrenchment of religion and, uh, uh, let's be clear, evangelical Christianity and the state. And I think the thing that keeps coming back to me over this last week is we, as as white people who have traveled, who have a Celtic-British heritage, my people left to uh, escape oppression and immediately started oppressing everyone else. <laughs> it, it, like, immediately. <laughs> so how can I honor your path and your tradition when your path and your tradition are built upon the backs of other human beings who do not meet your standard or agree with your uh, ideals?
0: I really appreciate what you're what you're speaking to because in so many ways I think Pride was that space to say we're going to part ways with traditions that don't serve us, mm-hmm. right? We're going yeah. to we're going to part ways with communities that don't serve us and we're going to create this rainbow like festival of folks who are expressing freedom in the safest, kindest, most loving ways possible while being exuberant and sexy and glitter covered. And you know the things that you love about yeah. Pride is that it's okay to be a person at Pride. It's okay to have a, a body, no matter what that body looks like. Um, it's okay to, to feel sexy and loved and seen. And I think Pride serves as this mm. vehicle to connect people with chosen family. I think so much of what it means to be mm. LGBTQ mm-hmm. throughout history is to be rejected by the people who love you the most. Um, and you talked a little bit about, you know, your your relationship with your mom and kind of where where you're at right now because of where she stands politically versus how that impacts your identity and right to exist. Um, I think for folks who maybe haven't haven't seen that play out over the long term, um, you know, what what has what has coming out meant to you in the context of your family and what is, you know, pride mean to you in the terms of, of chosen family?
1: Mm. Well, my chosen family are (laughs) incredible. Like I have five of the most amazing people that are, that I am in contact with almost every day that are so supportive. Part of them are part of the LGBT community too. So that, that pride um, component is in those relationships. As far as my, so I, like I said, I grew up evangelical, very, like I was, I was going to be a church planter. I was going to be a pastor and start a church and, you know, a evangelical church. And I was a worship leader. So
0: you've come a long way, girl.
1: Tell me about it.
0: <laughs> yes. Like I see um, you. <laughs> struggle's real.
1: Yeah, it is. And, and and even to this day, I'm shocked at how much my uh, religious trauma impacts my day. Like, it's just so weird. But when I first came out as gay, uh, my sister also was uh, is is a a woman who loves women, um, and so when I we kind of came out at this, it was it was a mess. Uh, but my dad, wait, I'm sorry, up- are you trying to
0: say that you and your sister came out at the same time?
1: it was a mess
0: okay well, <laughs> yeah. yes get it kids you guys were like so this act, is not gonna I, work for was, us mom I d-
1: I'm, I'm really ashamed about the whole situation but maybe i'll tell you off air something. okay okay <laughs> um so i'm not proud about the coming out part at first <laughs> but i got really proud later um is what i'm saying uh so it was very hard for me to come out and when we did when my sister and i kind of did it was a mess um did I say that it was a mess um, yes we uh my dad walked up to us one day called us into the room and said here take this knife and kill me because it's better than what you're doing to me now and I was like it's better than me listening to dance music in my room <laughs> what? you want to die because I'm listening to dance music in my room <laughs> so <clears throat> <laughs> before he passed away not to his own devices because we were queer um but because he died um we had this conversation that even though he didn't say i love you guys and i accept you guys um we got a lot of, of validation in this moment um and then coming out as trans later i didn't tell my mom for about 2 years and between my mom and my sister, my sister would be like, mom says she's never going to call you by that name and she's never going to call you she, he, you know, she, blah, blah, blah. And then at one point I went home and I just broke out in tears and I was like, I'm, I'm transitioning. And she was like, I know, I just want you to be safe. Mm-hmm. And throughout the years, even though she doesn't fully understand or accept who the fact that I'm a woman, she does respect me enough to try
0: Hmm.
1: but she also voted for Trump and she also voted for Abbott and Cornyn and all those people in Texas who want me dead so (laughs) that's pride
0: (laughs) yeah yes and I'm like and thank you I'm like we can't make it you can't make it simple right like these are really This is what it means to be a person right now. This is a pretty complicated situation. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to A Public Affair on WORT 89.9 FM Madison. My name is Ali Muldrow, and today we're in conversation, lifting up trans voices during Pride with local stand-up comedian Dina Nina. If you would like to join the conversation with a question, comment, give us a call at 608-256-2001, extension 9. Shout out to Rochelle and Teresa, who are behind the scenes making this show happen. Um, They would gladly connect you with us. So if you want to share a little bit of your pride story, if you want to talk a little bit about reproductive freedom, um, if you want to, you know exchange jokes, we are, we are here for you. The number is 608-256-2001, extension nine. We wanna hear from ladies, we wanna hear from LGBTQ folks. Um, we wanna hear from you. Mm-hmm. Dina, I, I think like, yeah, so talking about kind of your your history of pride, your and I think it's really, it's so helpful and illuminating to hear you talk about your own kind of religious trauma, your own experience as an evangelical Christian um you know what it what it looks like for for your mom to try and still not vote in your interest Mm -hmm. um what does what does pride this this year look like for you like are you at all the events are you just like one giant rainbow what's going on in your life
1: um i'm a giant rainbow on the inside (laughs) I so I I performed at Stevens Point Pride a couple of weeks ago, which was amazing. Get at
0: Stevens Point for having Pride. Yeah,
1: I mean, right? Uh, it was so there were there were, there were some teeth there. Um, I'm just kidding. Anybody from Stevens Point, I love y'all. Um, <laughs> just making a joke, girl. Um, I so I'm I've kind of not done a whole lot this year. I am very proud of who I am and but I'm having hard conversations. I'm having deep conversations like this, you know, like, like what does comedy look like now? What does, what does my existence look like now? Because we know from Clarence Thomas that he's coming for me next. Around the country, they're already coming for us, trans people, queer people, you know, they're already coming for us. So it Pride this year is examining who we are, how I move through the world, and honoring um, my current ability to live my life as who I am and what I want. Because let's face it, if they outlaw me, I can't go back in the closet. <laughs> the vast majority of us can't go back in the closet and hide. So we are here and it's just, it's one of those things where I'm like, I have freedom today. Freedom is never guaranteed. Apparently. Now, now I know that. So I'm going to do my best to be true to me and uplift my, my sisters and, Brothers and Emberos, what are you uh, those who are my siblings who are non gendered. There we go. That's better. Yeah. And 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 speak my truth and be loud because if we start to clam up and shut up then we will just wither. Nobody will know that we're here, except for those who don't care
0: i i guess i wonder like as as the the kind of you know as this intensifies as this attack on the trans community and trans children and young people who are lgbtq intensifies across the country um as we Mm -hmm. see legislatures across the country trying to ban trans athletes as young as four years old from playing with their friends um, try to turn educators into gender police instead of you know folks who are who are giving our kids the skills they need to read and do math Um, what what do you want people who don't know anybody who's trans who are not connected to the community who don't identify what do you want those folks to do if, if folks are, are watching this happen in their communities, how, how can they get involved um, and, 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 and support? And I'll say this, I think so often, people are really well-meaning right like they want to help they want to do the right thing um but I have told people over and over again in my own life like you don't get to do whatever you want and call it helping um and so you're directly impacted by this legislature you are a person who is being uh, attacked when Clarence Thomas says next we're coming for marriage equality next we're coming for contraceptive you see yourself in that what do you Mm -hmm. want people who don't see themselves in that um to, to do to support you?
1: First of all, we have to understand that I'm a human being. I'm a person. I am a, I'm a person. And I think that when people don't know us, they have a character character. Well, I can't say the word. And I started to say it and then I was like, but that's not, you know, they have an idea of who we are and they don't see us as people evangelicals I am not a demon I am a human relate to me as a human stand up for me as a child of your God if he created us all he created me so when you're coming for me you're coming after God's creation if you're going to go that route I'm just a human being Know that we're human beings. Speak up when things are said that are disparaging of us. Go to, I guess, PFLAG, which is an organization that helps, that's of uh, parents and friends of gays and lesbians and, and transgender people. Um, do research, find out what who we are and what we do. Like, I thought I had a monolithic experience previous to understanding previous to transitioning i was a showgirl and all my friends were showgirls i didn't know that i was going to transition and become Roz for monsters inc you know like i i, I, I didn't know that i was going to be a wannabe soccer mom somebody who looks like you know just the girl next door who's fatter and getting increasing limp wrinkles and <laughs> but you know like I'm just a person, and all I want is what's supposed to be guaranteed to me in the Bill of Rights. The right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. If you believe in freedom, if you believe in the American experience at all, then you should be fighting for our rights and freedoms instead of taking them away.
0: It is so interesting, though, like this conversation about rights and freedoms, right, because I'm like when it comes to reproductive rights, the same side of people who is more pro somebody's right to own an AR-15 than the right of a nine year old to go to school safely. Um, those those are the people who are anti-reproductive freedom and and I think that this is kind of these conversations become so amazing in terms of whose rights and what rights and you know when you talk about life liberty and the pursuit of happiness I think of like those kids who who went to school one day and never got to come home right? like those kids in Uval Texas Um, and I think about like what we have done to per- protect gun manufacturers, to protect the profits of, of gun macu- manufacturers over the the right of children who are born, who are at school, um, th- whether th- their right to survive, right? Like their mm-hmm. right to go home at the end of the day, the right of a nine-year-old to turn 10 um, is is compromised by the right of, of by the rights of gun owners. Um, and so I, I think about like you know our, our rights a lot and whose rights are protected and what rights are considered sacred in our society and what are, are not.
1: Um, the contradictory judgments that came out of the court day a day apart from each other. It's too cumbersome. the law in New York, for gun owners to to meet the standard of that but it's not too cumbersome for you to uh legislate or you know um ju- put a judgment on my right to um bodily autonomy with my and and a conversation with my doctor that's not cumbersome we're going to go back to 1943 or whatever year that was that that or 18 whatever
0: we're just going to ask Rochelle oh, okay. to look up the year <laughs> i'm like we just want to be accurate about the history of abortion Mm -hmm. the history of reproductive rights uh, you know i'm like
1: when when all of that stuff was written back in the day mm -hmm. by those old white men who mind you owned slaves um and had different ideas about who what i mean because Thank you for bringing uh, up slavery.
0: I just have to say this. I really appreciate when folks who do not consider themselves descendants of slaves mention that slavery was a factor in how we got to where we are. And I do think talking about slavery in the context of a conversation about queerness, a conversation about abortion is really important, right? Because we don't talk about the fact that, you know, everybody knows what a cotton plantation is, everybody knows what a tobacco plantation is, everybody's heard of a of a sugar plantation. We don't talk about breeding plantations, right? We don't admit that the the most expensive slave was an eleven year old girl because she could be assaulted, impregnated, and used to create more slaves, right? So when you talk to black women about abortion, Right. Milwaukee has the 16th highest infant mortality rate and maternal mortality rate on earth. Right. You talk about this with black women. You're talking about folks who have a history of knowing what forced pregnancy and birth really mean, really look Mm -hmm. like in this country. Um, and And I very much appreciate that you like acknowledge that that history, that the folks who are making these decisions, um, you know we're we're exploiting people selling people we're engaged in the most egregious act of of human trafficking in in you know in modern history um and so i think yeah it's it's interesting right now though to see how many people still really think like that is the america we should be trying to create we should be trying to stay as close to the 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 the, the the words and ideas of this group of white affluent men who committed genocide against indigenous people and enslaved black people, um, that we should be as much like them or make this America as much like the one that they wanted as possible. Um, And I think in that conversation, we lose sight of, of all of our potential, all of our ability to care about each other and create a space where people really are free. And I think that pride in so many ways, if you're listening to WORT 89.9 FM Madison, my name is Ali Muldrow. This is a public affair. We're talking about Pride with D- with Dina Nina, who is a Madison-based stand-up co- comedian, a speaker, an actor. She blogs for the Huffington Post. She's the founder of Lady Laughs. Um, And we're talking about pride and we're talking about bodily autonomy and we're talking about what it means to be a person right now, right here. You're you're based in Wisconsin, which I'm like, that's kind of an interesting thing to be based in Wisconsin as a stand up comedian. Um, But Wisconsin, you know, it's officially a felony to have an abortion in Wisconsin. And there is a part of me that thinks like, what are we doing here? What keeps you in Wisconsin? What keeps you Madison based? Why did you want Lady Laughs comedy to happen here?
1: The, I was met with so much love and understanding of who I was when I moved here from Los Angeles on purpose. <laughs> that it feels all, I, I it's not my forever home, but it feels like home in my heart, if that makes sense. And I love Wisconsin. It's so weird and quirky and cute and fun. But it's also not Texas. (laughs) Um, Facts uh, are facts. So, I mean, I I, I guess I didn't... Mm. I, I like Wisconsin a lot. I like the people that I've met. So Wisconsin right now is home and... Who knows where I'll end up, but if I am here for the rest of my life, it's my duty to help as many women and queer people in this state that I can, and speak my truth as much as possible, and, you know, maybe I'll run for office someday.
0: (laughs) Oh, you've you've so you've so got my vote. Do you feel like being in stand up comedy is a variety of being particularly politically active?
1: Not, no, I don't think that that they go hand in hand. I think my mission has always been to elevate women and queer people and marginalized people within the com- comedic uh, comedic arts. Um, I believe it's important that those of us who are not white cis het men. Uh, get on stage and talk about our truth talk about what's happening in our lives because the more people hear about it the more they understand it and the more <laughs> they're gonna be like accepting I'd like to think um but comedy is absolutely a a male dominated sport and everybody after the whole um uh, Will Smith and thing at the at the Oscars. Everybody was like, "Comedy should not be a contact sport." And I'm like, "You don't understand that as women and queer people, comedy has always had that element of danger being on stage." I there have been multiple times throughout my career where men came up on stage when I was performing that is not a a comfortable experience. I know people who have been assaulted on stage, women, uh, by men. Um, I know that when women and queer people travel, that they are put in situations in green rooms, in comedy clubs, in in the hotel that they stay in, they are put in situations that endanger them physically. And mentally and emotionally in so many ways. So I am here to <laughs> shine light on that and to elevate women and queer people in comedy as much as possible. Everywhere I get, every chance I get, like, that's all I want to do. That's, that's who I am. That's what I was made for.
0: Do you struggle with kind of the ethics of creating a good joke of when it's okay to laugh about something, especially in kind of the moment that we're we're living in? Like, you know, when you make fun of yourself, do you worry that that means something for some kid who just wants to be on a soccer team in Sheboygan? Do you, do you worry that when you, you know, Poke, poke fun at kind of our current political reality um, that it escalates the people who are offended. Um, how do you how do you kind of weigh out what is ethical comedy right now?
1: Well, I mean, I this is what I've said. And, and when I teach stand-up, which I do. Um,
0: I know you taught one of my friends. Shout out to Megan Diaz.
1: I mean, she, I'm so proud of her.
0: She's so funny, um, y'all. Catch, catch so her, catch her out in these streets. She will, she will crack you up.
1: It was like with her, I had to make, uh, mold something out of clay that was already pretty much molded. And, uh, <laughs> kind of like tweaked it and put a couple of, you just. Know, <laughs> mm. But uh, ethical comedy, like I, what I always tell people is, if you're not one of us, don't joke about us, right? And I can tell you, so I had a joke for a while and it was meant to be um, a commentary on how stupid it is to think that a marginalized people group know everybody all over the country. And it was, you know, everybody <laughs> keeps asking me, Dina, Dina, my friend Kiki in Miami, do you know her? She's trans. And I'm like, it's not like I'm black. <laughs> and it, and the. Right, like it, it, the ludicrousness of the fact that you think that everybody knows each other when they're part of a marginalized group is stupid. But when I delivered it, it never re- was received appropriately the way I meant it, and so I pulled that out of my out of my set because it was irresponsible for me to tell that joke when it wasn't received the way it should, w- the way I intended it. Mm. And I tell it as an example now. So. That's when I started saying, if you're not one of us, don't joke about one of us. Don't don't joke about us. But what
0: about the folks who are like, well, that's one thing to not make the joke. But then who gets to laugh at the joke? And I feel like Dave Chappelle actually has talked about this a lot in terms of the kinds of comedy he makes about the conditions of black America. And realizing that people were tuning into this joke who hadn't done the the self-work to understand the complexities of race dynamics, they were laughing at the wrong part of the joke. Um, so I'm like, it's one thing to say, how do you make the joke? It's another thing to say, "Like, how do you control what part of the joke folks are laughing at? How do you gauge for who gets to think this is funny?
1: Well, I mean, I think that's why you work out material in a club. Uh, I, it is trickier now because we are societally we're a lot more reactionary when people say something like, look, I've said stuff that I am not like, there are things that I believed before that I do not believe now. There are ways that I moved through the world before that I do not now there. So there should be a space of, this is what I said with, with Louis CK and what I think with Chappelle is we need to offer them another chance to get it right. Hmm. If they take that chance and fail or don't meet the societal expectations of what is appropriate and the harm and, and, and measure the harm that we've done, then you don't get a chance after that. You know what I mean? Like, Like, Louis C.K. has never apologized, has never shown any remorse, has never tried to make amends. I don't think he deserves another chance unless he demonstrates that he made a mistake and he gets what he did is wrong, right? Well, I feel,
0: I'm like, I'm torn when you put, you know, Dave Chappelle and Louis in the same category. Because and, and, I think and, I think the real criticism of Dave Chappelle is that his sense of humor um, exposes a lack of analysis and sensitivity to the LGBTQ community repeatedly. Um, and I also think... That like part of what Dave Chappelle, I I love that you say, if you're not one of us, don't joke about us. But I do think part of what Dave Chappelle works through on stage is his own queerness. Um, And I think that that is what people often miss is that the, the real thing is about the real joke is about. His wide range of attraction, um, and his actual like fascination and and attraction to the LGBTQ community. Um, so I, I, mm. you know, I'm like, uh, yeah, When you say, I, if you're not one of us, don't talk about us. I'm like, we don't always know who all is one of us.
1: Right. I think my my criticism, I and, I and I get that they're two different situations, right? Like, and Louis C.K. sexual assault. Yeah, exactly. My criticism of. Chappelle is that I I've seen misogyny and transphobia and it and it's been consistent and then a doubling down on your point of view and that even if you are part of our community and you're not comfortable enough to talk about it it still harms us mm. so I mean I I it's hard everything's complicated and I think that we because we're so reactionary and and I'm part of that reactionary ness I try to pull myself back and be like this is what I'm this is what I'm looking at and this is how I'm looking at it is it what I'm seeing I try to do that but we don't all the time like it's it's a lot of work I just oh like come on dude is pretty much what I I have a hard time with men,
0: this mm. men. Well, I'm like sign me up for for that for that mm. TED Talk. I'm like and, and, and me too. And the worst too. part is
1: I I date them. I don't. <laughs> like,
0: ah. No, I'm married to one. I'm married right. to one, and I was so annoyed with him all weekend because I was like, one of us is walking around with way less rights to their body, like as of yesterday, and one of us is just you know yeah yeah is just still allowed to do whatever they want we live in a state right now where it is perfectly legal for a man to remove a condom or contraceptive without informing a partner it's perfectly legal and abortion is a felony that is where oh. we live those are his rights and these are mine and he has way more and i have way less this is this yeah. is where we live um yeah. and yeah so i'm like mm i i do i find i think the conversation is also a conversation about privilege and power and i think it's really important for for somebody like me or somebody like you who has some privilege who has some power who has some influence um to be open and to be honest i think it's important while we talk about pride that i come out so if you're listening to wort 89.9 FM, a public affair. I'm your host, Ali Muldrow, and I identify as the B and the Q in LGBTQ. And let's just say that you're like, that sounds like a delicious sandwich. Um, I'm going to I'm going to tell you what the acronym means. So it's lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, queer, you know, and there's an I for intersex folks and there's an A for asexual folks. And then there's so many more identities um, that that LGBTQ Plus like the is second is, G. <laughs> like the second the, G. The
1: second G. Goddess.
0: Goddess. Yes, yes. Also, I'm gonna just throw that into my my identity as well. Thank you, Dina, Nina, for just keeping this this conversation feminist. Right. But I do. I think it's important that you tell your story. I think it's important that you talk about what it means for you to come out as a trans person. I think it's important that both of us recognize like the areas of our lives where we experience oppression, but also the areas that privilege us. Right. And and so I think for you, as as an out trans woman, um, do you you know, do you look at trans women of color and say, oh, man, like I have to work harder, be a more effective advocate, like recognize um, that as dangerous as this world is for me, it is more dangerous for other people in my community. Absolutely.
1: And and I, I understand that in a lot of spaces, I have cis privilege, mm. where a lot of my, my fellow trans people don't have cis privilege. I have white privilege. I have... Um, Pretty privilege. Um,
0: Don't you hold back. Yes. Over here looking just cute and juicy this whole time. I was wondering (laughs) when you were going to mention it.
1: And there is something. There's something about um, friendliness that's a privilege too. And like there's something about me that for the most part when I meet people they like me and that feels like a privilege. Like I'm approachable I guess. And And I love that. So I am so incredibly aware of my privilege. And I think because when I really understood gender, sexual orientation, identity and how I moved through the world, I was like, Oh, I know friends that can't go to the restroom without somebody hounding them in Texas. I know that I can drive through the country and nobody's going to be like that trans lady over there. Let's kill her. You know, like, so, I understand that and I value that, but I also know that I have to be there, and I, I, I always have to try harder to be inclusive and make sure that everyone's at the table, and that's hard in a very white-dominated area, <laughs> um, especially with comedy because the vast majority of the people, like I don't, there's like very few people that are not white that do comedy that are women in Madison fewer that are queer and not white that do comedy in Madison. So
0: do you, do you know trans women of color who are performing comedy in Madison? In Madison? No. Do you feel like I'm like, I think this is kind of a complex conversation because I think, drag and and being trans get conflated in ways that are unhealthy um in terms of gender oh, expression. But so I'm mean. like, I do feel like in Madison the drag scene is more diverse. Um, mm-hmm. and so I'm like, what what how do you kind of bridge the the gap between the the way drag performers, you know relate to comedy um is there is there a space for for drag folks in lady laughs like what does, you know, let's let's talk a little bit about this the spectrum of expression that is femininity.
1: Yeah, I I mean I struggle with that too. I think somebody who comes from an older generation, because uh, I'm old. I'm now five hundred um, and fifty three. look so young. I mean, right? It's the blood of <laughs> aborted fetuses. I'm um, just kidding. <laughs> I'm no, joking. That was a joke. Um. <laughs> It was a joke, guys, I promise. Okay, <laughs> so I, I have a complicated relationship with drag because I came out of being a showgirl to be a woman, to transition, um, and there is so much cis privilege in doing drag, if that makes sense.
0: I mean, I think from from where I'm standing, I'm like, I can completely see what you're saying in terms of the ability to shift in and out of mm -hmm. of the feminine realm and to, you know, I mean, yeah, I think I think I I love I have critique of drag and I do love drag and I do love those those ladies and how Mm -hmm. how they embrace, you know, the fluidity of gender.
1: Yeah, and and I think now more than when I started transitioning, and you know, like there is a lot more acceptance of gender fluidity within that community than there used to be. Mm. Um, I I think it it all goes back to an online argument with RuPaul.
0: (laughs) We're not going to not tell this story at the Uh, end of the show. Now this is she blocked
1: me. Like I'm blocked (gasps) on Twitter from RuPaul, and I'm so proud of that. (laughs) Like, um, I there was. I had a really big problem with the way that they interacted with transness, especially at the beginning of the show. I I had a real big issue with that. So we're not friends. Um, <laughs> I wrote an open letter to RuPaul and got blocked immediately. And I was like, yes. Um, So my relationship with drag is, is complicated, but I also value it. And I love seeing how accessible that community has been increasingly over the years to younger people um, and how you know you know what I mean like it's it's a really beautiful evolution um it's a lot more mainstream which is I think uh, normalizing and beautiful but yeah I mean it's it's hard and I love that that's so that the community is a lot more, diverse but I don't like how do I translate that to stand up it's it's so different you Mm. know like like I am looking for people one that are who are funny um and want to perform and I'm also trying to consciously be um diverse without being tokenizing and it's 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 a very complicated fine line how do I do that you know i i would love more people to take my class i i can offer scholarships for people that are have issues with um financial um uh, financial struggles i can i can help with scholarships just send me a message um but i want more i want more people that are different i don't do you I'm so have tired is of the, white men?
0: Is this a space that's open to young people? So if you're like a kid out there, your parent out there and you're like my kid is really funny or my kid just needs a space to laugh, like a spe- a feminist space to to you know just explore their comedy. Do young people get to be part of Lady Laughs comedy?
1: So the youngest person I've had has been 18 and I felt insecure because I was like I have panties older than you. Um <laughs> but he is an incredibly talented performer and a um, very smart, very political savvy, very just like a powerhouse. house. His name is Matthew Thompson. And I'm like, I'm so proud of this kid and I wish I could give him all the money and send him everywhere he wants and make everything happen for him, you know? Oh. Um, He's amazing, but I, I currently I don't have a family friendly or a under 18 friendly class.
0: OK, so it's it's grown ups I'm working, only I'm that working on it. That's all right. Um, I cannot thank you enough for, for joining us, for making us laugh, for talking about pride, Dina Nina, for all the work that you do in this community, whether it is as a stand up comedian, a speaker, an actor, um, whether it is just getting to read your blog for the Huffington Post. You um, you are a, a person that I'm so grateful lives here in Madison and, and is doing what you do right here. I, I guess I'm wondering, you know, there's a little bit of pride left. How do you want folks to celebrate it?
1: by loving yourself and loving each other as much and as hard as possible
0: you heard it here folks thank you so much for tuning in to wort 89.9 fm madison my name's ali maldrow this is a public affair i'm gonna be in mexico next week um but make sure you you tune in for the guest host and i'll i'll see y'all soon
1: because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power, frequency, radio modulation. The big sound from underground, another pirate station. We bring the truth to places truth is never heard before. We bring the sound communication of our tribal war. Dark vision fly by helicopters in the night. Attempt triangulation of our station in the fight. Straight from the base, deep down, low precision.